0: Amen, I come on, give God thanks, give Him praise, thank Him, praise Him, express your love to Him today as you take a seat today in the house of the Lord, as you take a seat, look around and just say hi to the folks nearby. We're slowly getting back to the in being able to embrace one another as we feel a little more comfortable doing so. It is good. Thank you, worship team. Appreciate you leading us today. Listen, it is Father's Day on on this Sunday, and so on behalf of New Life Church, to all the dads out there, we just want to say happy Father's Day. Those in person, those watching online, we do welcome you into our service today, and thank you for taking an opportunity to watch and participate with us so good to see all of you, dads. Those of you here today, we have some treats for you. Uh, kind of at the back of our sanctuary, we've got different uh, pops and uh, Cracker Jacks, things like that. And um, if if James gets too bored here in a minute with the sermon, you you know, snack on those. And no, I'm I'm teasing, but yeah, you can have those during the service. Uh, we're just we're kind of we're that kind of church. You can eat and drink that kind of stuff here. So here in a moment, help yourself and. Grab those, and if you want to take them home, take some home with you later today. But to kick things off this morning, uh, we want to take a few minutes and just uh, express uh, our thoughts and our love to you as dads and fathers. We have a little video we want to show you, so let's check out this video. Happy Father's Day, dads of New Life Church. That song's got a little bump to it, right? Some of you feeling like, I want to get up. I want to move. Happy Father's Day to everybody, dear, all of our dads. Listen, about seven years ago, we started a little tradition where we like to take time certain holidays as we did for Mother's Day and for Father's Day in honor. Father of the Year. Obviously, it's not easy to, to have to do this, uh, to pick somebody, because there's so many to choose from. But listen, we, we, uh, we have selected one. Uh, individual this year, and um, I want to take a moment to recognize and honor this this dad, um, and, uh, and here at, in our church, let me get to my notes, there we go, this, this father uh, of the year that we're selected this year um, is a, uh, he's a faithful father, a devoted husband, uh, who, who would do anything he can to provide for his home, for his family been a faithful member here for over 20 years of this congregation uh devoted follower of jesus Um, and uh he's a veteran of america's armed forces he's a cancer survivor and recently retired and so this year new life church's father of the year that we've selected is bill flake bill flake come on up my friend come on up brother You could see his face, he's like stunned, like, really? <laughs> Come on, Bill, I know you still got the pep in your step. So good, man. Come on up, join me up here. Total surprise, total surprise. That's good, that's good. Listen, Bill, we have, have a little um, award we want to show you and want to give to you, New Life Church Father of the Year Presented here to Bill Flake. This award is presented in recognition of all the amazing things that make you so very special. Your strength, your kindness, your generosity, your care, and your provision for your family and your heart to see those around you know and experience the love of Christ. So given with appreciation and admiration on this Father's Day of 2021 by your New Life Church family, Bill Flake, Father of the Year. Yeah. There's a card with a little gift in there too, on behalf from uh, your New Life Church family, Bill. We just want to tell you we love you, and uh, we're thankful for your your uh, for your life and for who you are, man, and, and all the all the years that you've been a part of this church family, and for continuing to be devoted in your love for the, for God, your love for your family, your love for the church, your love for the community. We love you and appreciate you. Have a great Father's Day. Thank you. Yeah, love you. Man. Come on, let's give it up for Bill. Sharon, make sure he grabs plenty of pop that you approve of, all right, for after church, all right. <laughs> all right, well, listen, we're going we're gonna to continue our sermon series uh, today for the month of June. It's called Prayers, and I've asked one of our elders, James Pittman, to, uh, to bring today's message, and uh, join with me and welcome Elder James Pittman.
1: Does anybody here know what pop is? He was like, go get a pop. And I was like, "Is is that something you drink? Do you mean Coke? Do you mean get a Coke? Anyway. Megan was, picked that song, He Knows My Name, and, um, I was thinking just before I got up here, or not, um, not he knows my name, you hold my hand, whatever that song title is. It was uh, a song I grew up with and I was reminded of the times when, most recently when my youngest, Lucy, who's 18 months, was watching Frozen on our tablet and she's just gotten to the point now that she can appreciate suspense and so she, when there's scary parts or there's suspenseful parts, she'll she'll put it down and she'll walk away, or she'll tell you she wants to she doesn't want to want to watch it. And um, one of the times we were sitting together and we were watching it, she was right next to me and I had my arm around her and she was pretty engaged with it. We weren't doing anything special, but we watched the whole movie without any skipping around, and I was. Reminded just then about how, how much braver we are when your father's holding your hand, when, when you know someone's with you, when you are strengthened by that greater power next to you. So be encouraged. God is with you. He's holding your hand. And there's confidence that comes from that. If you've got an old school Bible, we're going to start in Matthew 26. If you've got your normal Bible, as I call it, on your phone... We'll be in Matthew 26. We've talked about uh, bold prayers. We've talked about humble prayers, which got kind of hijacked there at the end. Still applicable, but awesome. And one thing that stuck out last week, if you weren't here, you can catch it on YouTube. We were talking about Jonah and... Jeremy said, sometimes God's going to tell you to go to a place that is the exact opposite of where you would like to go. <laughs> he will send you to a place where the potential for suffering or the, or the guarantee of suffering is present. And so as we transition into what we're calling today dangerous prayers, I want you to keep that in mind that, that we need to be solidified in our hearts, in our faith, that God is completely good and that everything he asks us to do is for that good, for our good and his good. So at times there will will for sure be those pleasant, comfortable, bountiful feasting family times and there will be more joy than there will be suffering, but there will be suffering. So we're going to look at two prayers We're going to look at Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane, and we're going to look at Isaiah, Isaiah's prayer when he encountered the Lord. So if you're in Matthew 26, we'll start in verse 36, and I'll just read you this this section. Hang on here. Don't zone out. Stay in. if you're watching The Chosen, imagine this scene in your head with all the the cast. Then Jesus went to, to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and Zebedee, and Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and he became anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned to the disciples and found them asleep, and he said to Peter, Couldn't you watch even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation, for the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them a second time and prayed, My Father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open, so he went to pray a third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to his disciples and said, Go ahead and sleep, have your rest, but look, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer is here. And you know the rest of the story. That's, that so begins his arrest. Before we jump into Isaiah, I want to talk about dangerous prayers. Dangerous The word itself is defined as something that is full of liability or exposure to harm or injury, exposure to risk or peril. So prayers that expose us to risk, to physical, spiritual, mental suffering, whatever it is, it invites challenges and change. When we pray dangerous prayers, we pray open-ended prayers that don't define our answer into a small box that will fit in our convenient life. And we see, we see even Jesus struggled with anguish to the point of death. He was distressed at what he's known about the whole time. He keeps telling them over and over again, the Son of Man must suffer and die, but will be raised up on the third day. He's known the whole time that his whole mission is leading to his unjust suffering and death and resurrection. But here comes, in, in his humanity, we see when it comes, where the rubber meets the road, and it's facing him, he experiences grief grief and anguish, and distress. And he even, to the point of coming to the Father, running to the Father and saying, is there any other way? Jesus, fully God and fully man, who knew his whole purpose was to be a sacrifice for sin, to be resurrected, to bring us all into new life, pleads with the Father. Is there another way? I don't want to experience This suffering. So, if that doesn't encourage you that we can't come to Jesus or come to the Father or Jesus with our anguish and our distress about our circumstances, I don't know what, I don't know how to tell you, you can do that. Jesus did it. The guy who's supposed to have it all together at some point was not okay. So dangerous prayers, we're going to talk about some hallmarks of dangerous prayers. This first one is dangerous prayers address our deepest fears and invite God into them. So we've looked at Jesus in the garden. Now we're going to look at Isaiah. Isaiah 6, verses 1 through 8. I may have to run through here in a bit. Hold on. Let me see if we can find it. It was in the year that King Uzziah died, and I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each had six wings, with two wings, each covering their faces, two covering their feet, and two two as they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory." Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, "'It's all over. I am doomed, for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I've lived among filthy people with filthy lips. Yet I have seen the King, the Lord of Heaven's armies.' Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, "'See, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, and your sins are forgiven.' Then I heard the Lord asking, "Whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us?" And I said, "Here am I. Send me." So we're addressing deep, deep fears and anxieties and distress with God. Isaiah saw the Lord in His throne room. I don't know if he saw the fullness of God or a piece of God or what he saw, but he saw enough to declare out loud, "I'm about to die." I am not good. I am a sinful man. There is the Lord. I'm about to die. And, but he, in, in our principle here of, ex, of, of running to the Father, he's exclaiming that very fear to the God he's seeing. And what, what is the response? An angel comes, touches the cult to his lips. The Lord forgives his sin, therefore making him righteous and able to, to stand in that interaction and his response to God's overwhelming mercy and overwhelming grace to not just smite him with send me. So each both Jesus and Isaiah acknowledge the fullness of what they feel. Their feelings are not invalid. Now, this is ironic because I'm not a really emotional guy. And I try to suppress all that. But I'm learning the benefit of coming to God and just pouring out whatever the feelings are. Even if I can't articulate what they are. I just start talking. And just, it might be, it might be word diarrhea. But I've got to get it out. Just like we sang earlier, here's my alabaster heart. Pour, pouring it all out to God, there is a strengthening. This, this prayer of Jesus in Luke, Luke's account of it, says, then an angel of the Lord came and strengthened him. So there is a huge benefit, a component of dangerous praying. This will all come together. That is acknowledging in its fullness the anxiety, the fear, the discomfort, the everything negative That we are facing or potentially will face as a part of what we're asking and praying for. So they acknowledge their fears. Dangerous prayers are marked by great personal cost, sacrifice, or suffering. Dangerous prayers aren't afraid to lose everything. I'm reminded, in 2016 is when we came to this church. And um, I think the second time I had, I was a pretty sinful dude. Um, But I felt this draw up here and I came up here and I got prayed for and I encountered the Lord. And in that moment, I felt like Isaiah. Because in response to 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 the measure of love that God was showing me in that moment, all I could say was use me. That's all I could say. I couldn't say anything else. And there was no condition attached to that. Whether I... I wasn't like consciously going through all the list, the line items, like, use me, Lord, but don't make me move out of my house, and I would still like to have the car I'm in, and please don't make me sacrifice financially, and put one, two, three, four. It was none of those. I wasn't even thinking about that. The core, the, the bare nakedness of my heart exposed to God's love was use me however. Whatever that means. And we see in with with Isaiah, his same response is open ended. Here I am, send me. I don't know what that means. We don't know if he had a good job with good benefits. Good good medical insurance. But he just said, send me. The Lord didn't even define the mission other than you, you would go and be a messenger to my people. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of people in a lot of places. He didn't need the itinerary of what that meant. He knew he just needed to respond to God's love. So dangerous repair... Dangerous prayers respond to God's love open ended and unconditionally. Jesus in the garden, in verse 42, praying the second time, says, My father, if this cup cannot be taken away unless I drink it, your will be done. In essence, to say, I know that I don't want to face this, I see ahead. This thing you've designed, and I don't want to experience it, but if it's the only way, so be it. And these areas in our life are, going, are, are, are places that test our faith, refine our faith, strengthen our faith, because they challenge whether or not you believe God is completely good. Because if God is completely good, then his solution is completely good, and it will be good for you and whatever you're having to walk out, even if there's pain and suffering. And if you start to think about it in terms of, do I believe God is completely good? Then it starts to bring up all these questions about, if God's completely good, why don't I trust him in X, Y, Z area? Or maybe you haven't even asked God to examine yourself in these ways. But I want to encourage you to begin to pray these dangerous prayers, these open-ended prayers that say, use me. I'm scared of what you're going to say. Use me. But I know that you're good. But I know that, my, that, that you will build me up in whatever it is and that you will prepare the way before and after, above, behind, left, and right. Remove the conditions from your prayers. I'm not saying don't pray specifically. Do pray specifically. But pray that God would do whatever he wanted to do and understand that he might uproot everything in your life. And that's a possibility, and accept it. When we pray to align ourselves with God's will, whatever the cost, it, what's the best way to say this? Resets it, resets us. If we've wandered off whatever way, it brings us back full center. It sets us in the middle of God's path. If we're over here to the left or to the right, inviting God into whatever it is to do whatever he wants at whatever cost places us in the middle. So we confess our fears. We invite God into them. We, we say, whatever you want, whatever you want to do, the greatest personal cost or sacrifice is not too great. If I need to, I literally, some of the prayers I've prayed, you've probably heard a few times, I told him if we had to go live in a dumpster in Africa, we would. And I meant it, and I was terrified because I thought he would send us. I legit was like, this is an option. He might tell me to go there. Okay, Lord, whatever you want to do. There was a time, I'm reminded of a time when, um, uh, what's I guess what's the, the way to say it, strong or maybe... Um, very public evangelism was something that, was, that gave me anxiety. Like I would hear stories or hear testimonies of people that would just be in the grocery store, and the Lord would be like, let's have an altar call. And they would just start, they would just start inviting people to Jesus there in the checkout. And I remember hearing that, and I was, that, that terrified me that God would ask me to do that. And I remember one night laying in bed thinking about that scenario and going, fear can't be my motivation. And so I started telling God with overwhelming anxiety to make me not afraid of that, whatever that meant. To If he had to use me that way, I would do it. I might, I might die afterwards, but if he needed to use me that way, I was present and could be used that way. Pray at your fears. Think right now, think right now, congregational exercise, what scares you? If you had, I've I've, I've heard a phrase, if you had 10 times the confidence you have now, what would you do? Start praying at it. If you could have 10 times the boldness, what would you do for the Lord? Well, why don't you pray for 10 times that boldness? God uses every single detail of our lives. When we make great personal sacrifices or we step fully into God's will, we don't realize that whatever minute detail, giving up this one tiny thing in your life, how that ministers to someone significantly down the road. When we say, you can do whatever you want to. And God's like, well, it's time to um, cut out Coke Zero. I'm preaching to myself. And you're like, but Lord, that's not that's not doing anything for anybody. Why would I need to stop drinking Coke Zero? When God asks you to do something, and it sounds silly, you do it. Because later, it's going to promote whatever he has in some way. I'm, and I'm done trying to figure it out, y'all. Y'all want to know, I am level 12 ignorant of what God's doing. Every time I'm like, oh, yeah, he's doing this right here. He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> what made you think that? That ever happened to anybody? The closer you get to the Lord, the more you figure out you don't know anything. Amen. Oh, it's a great personal cost. Another mark of dangerous prayers is that they produce gains of faith. When you pray dangerously and God answers you and you walk out the risk, the suffering, the whatever it is, the strength that comes from those things is enormous. If you pray timid prayers of comfort to keep you in your comfort zone and to only inconvenience others and not inconvenience yourself, you make. God still works for the good. I'm not saying you're disqualified or anything, but you get timid answers, you get small gains. God wants to answer us in every prayer. Because I've heard it put this way, you need a diverse prayer portfolio. You need the big, big life changes, the world peace type prayers. But you need small, specific, everyday prayers so that he can keep answering all the different kinds as you go. If you, only, if you find yourself only praying, Lord, if it's your will, I'd like you to do this right here if you pray in that style, in that, in that fashion, it limits his ability to answer you specifically and strengthen you. Because then you're left to, as we were admonished last Sunday, if it works out, it was for my good, or that God's will will always lead to somewhere that is comfortable. And that's not the case. He wants to answer you specifically. And when you pray specific prayers like, Lord, Use me to impact this. And then one day you realize this has been impacted. Or use me however, and he sends you to a Tarshish type place, and you begin to see that your presence is flooding that area with light. How much more is your faith strengthened? How much more are you foundationally secure in God's goodness, complete goodness to work through anything? As the Western church, we like to avoid pain. I'm not saying that that's that's everybody in this room. I know everybody in this room has made great sacrifices. But I don't want us to include myself to get caught in the comfort of praying prayers we either know can be answered because we can work it out or prayers that have very little dependency on Holy Spirit. Full, dependent prayers require his complete and total action. And it's in those moments that we see, oh, he is paying attention. Oh, he is working in this. And they might be painful, and there there will be suffering. But it builds our faith and grows our belief in God's goodness. When we give up everything, we are forced to trust what God has is good for us. When Isaiah gave up everything, he didn't know what was in front of him, but he knew God was good. And we see later, I don't know how many years later, but in Isaiah 20, it says, The Lord told Isaiah, Take off the burlap you've been wearing and remove your sandals. Isaiah did as he was told and walked around naked and barefoot. The Lord, then the Lord said, My servant Isaiah has walked around naked and barefoot for the last three years. This is a sign of a symbol of the terrible troubles I will bring upon Egypt and Ethiopia. The Lord made Isaiah walk around naked for three years. You think that was part of the interview process? Your sins are forgiven, FYI, here in a few, here in a few years, going to make you walk around naked. Just letting you know, that's still a job you want. The Lord intentionally withholds the fullness of the picture because we wouldn't believe him if he told us, but also we would probably only see the great personal cost and sacrifice and get cold feet when we put our complete trust and dependency on him, we find that we have no plan B. And in a way, that's the best way to be because then you're forced to trust and he delivers you through all those tense, challenging situations. We see in John 6, verses 66 through 69. Anybody cringe? I said 666. Anybody smoldering? Check around you. Check your neighbor. JK. John 6. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. This is right after Jesus told a bunch of people, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. You imagine following Jesus and he say something dumb like that? Like, I'm, like everyone of his apostles at whatever that meeting was were probably like, What? did y'all hear what he said? I I've never eaten a human. Is he for real? Now, they probably had a clue because he's been doing parables this whole time they don't understand. Y'all, you got the level of ignorant and dumb you had to feel walking around with Jesus. you be like, Lord, what did, what, did, what did you mean? It's like the 15th time you've asked me, Peter. He probably didn't do that. He probably was very loving and gentle. I bet he made fun of him a couple times. Anyway, so, so he's just told him, eat my flesh, drink my blood. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Not speaking of the 12, just speaking of the others that were there. Then Jesus turned to his 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? And Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. I can only in part think that this faith was built over time because Simon didn't have a plan B. They abandoned their jobs and family. And so when the challenging part of I don't understand and you said something weird happened, he was like, this is how I imagine. He was like, Lord, whom, where, where, where else are we going to go? Uh, I mean, you fed us a bunch of time, so I'm at least here for the next meal. But there was nowhere else to go. Recently in my life, uh, a couple of years back, almost a couple years back, the Lord told me to get rid of my plan B. He said, I was, I did, y'all, y'all may or may not know, I used to work in EMS. I was a paramedic for what feels like a thousand years. It wasn't that long. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was always something in the back of my mind. I had to maintain my license. I had to get so many continuing education credits and things like that. And once I started um, working here, that was a part-time gig I'd do once a month or so. And it became more difficult and difficult to do it because the more you're out of it, the less practiced you are. So you come back and you're like, I'm answering 911 calls, and I don't remember some things. Um, Fortunately, Holy Spirit was there helping me out. Or they just buy new equipment, and there'd be no orientation, and you'd just be like, all right, I'm going to hook you up to this thing, and we're going to try it. We're going to figure it out together are you ready? Because Jesus is with us. Y'all think I'm joking. (laughs) Or having worked like three shifts in three months, two, two, two shifts of which I didn't make any calls, get a sick patient and also be the supervisor. Like they'd be like, can you be the supervisor today? I'd be like, what? Y'all know I've been here a grand total of six times in the past year. I don't even know what your policies are. Sure. Let's do all the things. Oh, man, I digress. So anyway, I was doing that. It was challenging. But in the back of my mind, that was a place to make extra money. That was a place to maintain the license I'd worked hard to get. And I attended a conference where there was the entire conference, every message that was preached, told me to get rid of my plan B. And so I was like, okay. It was one of those, like, over-the-top, like, got to get done kind of things. So I came back. I sent my resignation into the company I was working for and I called this st- or I emailed the state and retired my health care license. And when you retire it there's no like grace period where you can be like no 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 um retire that. When you retire it it's like congratulations if you would like to do this again you need to go to school and pass the test. So I did that. Um, that I was very peaceful. The entire process was very peaceful. But nonetheless, got rid of my plan B. And then COVID started. And I was like, well, I'm glad I'm not in that. But also, it, became, it presented a challenging time for the church of whom I worked. Ours, our church, uh, I, I, I think the word thrived could almost describe our church's experience through COVID. But lots of other churches saw 50%, 60% losses. And it was a an unstable time. But nonetheless, I didn't need a place to run to because I had God, and I didn't need a plan B. So God asked and said, let that go, because there's going to be some challenging things ahead, and you don't need to have another option. At some point, I'm going to ask you to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and I don't need you to be like, I'm going to go... Back to the ambulance. So, it forces us to be in a position where God has to provide, and we're forced to trust him. But out of that comes great strength and confidence in who God is and what he can do through us. We get great gains of faith, and it puts our purpose and mission in perspective. If you don't know this, let me enlighten you. God has a specific and unique purpose for you. Now, I know you've heard that, and that's a very church phrase. Like, okay, I'm going to love people. That's one of them. But God wants to use you to impact specific things only you can impact. I didn't know this for a long time until I prayed some of these dangerous prayers. I was like, sure, God can use me. But if I don't pray for that one dude, he'll send somebody else. And God was like, no, no, you're, you're the one for that person, so you need to go do that. Jesus, while praying in anguish and distress and fear and anxiety, several times that he could forego the suffering that was ahead, Submitted to the Father's will, with the joy of the result in mind. In Hebrews two, or excuse me, twelve two, it says, "Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame." Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Beside God's throne. When we have purpose in front of us, and I give, and God gives you specific, I don't want to. What I don't want to do is give you a formula. So that you be like, A plus B equals my purpose. The, God will give you specific specific things that you are called to do. Two things I'm directly called to do, teach and heal. He told me those things. One of the other, one of the other things is equipping, equipping the saints out of, the, out of Ephesians. But these were things that came to me when I said, Lord, what am I here for? What am I designed for? Please tell me specifically. I need to know whatever the, whatever the cost. I need to know specifically what have you designed me for. And slowly over time in the scriptures, I would start to get singular verses where maybe the pronouns were you. And they would be directed square at me. That gave shape and scope to my purpose. That gave me confidence when I would make life decisions because my field of view had been narrowed to the scope of what my purpose was. It makes sense to abandon your plan B and retire your hard, hard-earned health care license and never do that again when God said, you're called to the church and you're called to teach and you're called to heal and you're called to minister. Knowing those things, I have great confidence in abandoning whatever else there is. But in absence of that, I am left with the anxiousness of instability to where I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do, but maybe I'm, he, I'm hearing him tell me to do something different. Purpose keeps us on point. And when the suffering and the challenges come, purpose keeps our eye singular and our focus strong. Jesus understood what his suffering would accomplish. When we are convinced of God's goodness and our unique purpose and Holy Spirit's strength, we become unshakable and unstoppable. I was thinking about Captain Planet, dangerous prayer factors combined. Y'all may be too young or old for that joke. Captain Planet. when we when all of these things come together and we and we pray dangerous prayers and we 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 sacrifice and we walk through the suffering and we are grown in our faith and solidified in God's goodness the result of of that process is an unshakable strength when you walk out something that requires great personal sacrifice and you lean completely on God's goodness when you come out of that, the next person that comes along that says, man, this thing in my life, and you'll be like, hold on, let me tell you, let me tell you about what God's done for me. I'm going to embarrass my dad. He's back there. Over the last, well, it's probably not been, this year hasn't been terrible. We'll say for the last five years, he's been trying to die. Just repeatedly, just Infection problem, sickness. If you can think of it, he's been sick. There was a point when it all sort of there was a there was a there was one time when my faith was not strong, and we experienced it, and I experienced it in my own strength, and it kind of came back for round two, and and we had a he was in the ER and had a CT, and it was the the result was not very promising, and I remember. I remember facing the genuine thought, Dad's not going to be alive much longer. And um, I was, it was on a Friday or a Saturday, and I was so distressed. I couldn't sleep. And I'm not going to get emotional because I'm not emotional. I was just praying. And Jesus is so sweet. So I came to service, and that the song He Knows My Name was, was played. And He reminded me in that moment I know, I know your dad's name, I know him. And He gave me such a peace for all of my distress and anguish. And then later that day, it was funny. I'm not a fasting kind of guy. I don't know if you can tell. Um, (laughs) It's okay. I made a fat joke at great personal cost. Um, I fasted. I don't fast, y'all. It's not a skill I've developed, Will. I decided I would fast because I heard that's what you were supposed to do. Um, And I... So I didn't eat, and I was going to, I had made up in my mind, like, I'll just go, I won't eat until dinner, and I'll just pray intermittently, and I had some time, I was going to be able to sit down and and uh, be in the Word a little bit, and um, anyway, it we came, it was that Sunday, so we came to church, we saw people, we even went out to eat, I just had a drink, and uh, got back home, and the girls laid down for their nap, and I opened my Bible, and I was just, Praying about, praying about my dad, and um, I can't even find the scripture anymore. This is this is how <laughs> unique the event was. In Psalms, there was a place, and I can't even I can't even remember what it said. But with a complete confidence, the Lord said, "I'll deliver your father." This is word for word? That's what I heard, and I was like, "Oh, okay." And this is also like. Four hours into my designed eight-hour fast, so I was like, "Do do I eat now?" <laughs> hungry boy was hungry. <laughs> can can I eat now? Oh, is there is there Kleenex somewhere? Let me get now. Yeah, I'm about to snot all over this microphone. And anyway, he said, "I'll deliver your father." I said, "Okay." and that word that that sentence sustained the peace in my life for the next 2 years 2 years of we we well i say that there was an immediate turnaround we got uh, he got transferred and we got news that the ct was read and the people that reread it didn't see the same things they said they said this was noted these people noted all these things, and we don't see those things. We see a couple, we see a couple of, we're in agreement with a couple of these things, but these aren't here. They were reading the same disc, it wasn't like they had another CT. So we had some good news. We immediately had some good news. But over the next two years, there were ups and downs. We would have successes where infection and, and disease processes would be stopped, but inevitably we'd find some more and there'd be a repeat and a repeat. And a repeat. And I'm talking three, four, five times. And every time it happened, I would tell Megan, I was like, I don't know what to tell you. I can't worry about it. I can't. I've tried. I tried to sit down and contemplate, oh no, he's sick again. He might, he might die. He might, whatever, whatever might happen. And I couldn't be anxious because the Lord told me, I'll deliver your father. And by God, he did. He's fully healed and well back there. Uh, If you want all the nitty-gritty, he'll be happy to explain it to you. Um, But at the same time, answering all of those prayers and answering even more prayers that now my father, who for the last 10 years worked out of town, can now work remotely at home full-time and be around the people that love him. So I tell you all that to say, when you walk through something, the faith on the other side is incredible. The before of that time period in my life, I would have been shaky, shaky, and easily easily um, stumble. I would have said all the church things when you were asking about how my sick father was doing. Oh, God's got it. Let me hide all my fear and anguish. God's, God's got it. But now I can tell you God's got it. Because I've lived it. We become unshakable. And we become that bedrock for somebody to come stand on when they go through something. The last part is dangerous prayers are the quickest way to know God and His love in a deeper, more intimate way. They will serve to further solidify his complete goodness, reinforce our faith, and invigorate us with purpose. Dangerous prayers are the fastest way to greater faith. Do you want to go deeper with God? Pray dangerous prayers. Prayers that scare you. Prayers that don't hold anything back. And I don't, I don't say that to say That you're sitting there intentionally praying, and you're like, anything but this right here, Jesus. I mean, you might be. But I don't think we're consciously withholding ourselves, per se. But we may be subconsciously withholding areas of our life. I want to invite you, if you want to make great gains, if you want to see the fullest effect of God in your life, start... Praying open-ended, unconditional prayers of surrender. From that from that place, God can clear the whole field and begin to plant seeds in your life that you don't even know what He's planting. But you'll get the joy of seeing those things bloom year after year after year. Because in the beginning, you said, do whatever you want. And he says, okay, but I'm going to have to move some big trees. I'm going to have to uproot some things in your life to make room for what I have. There is personal cost. Jesus said those who cling to their life will lose it. But those who give up their life will gain it. If we're to believe that God's completely good, and he is goodness itself, then we can't help but choose complete surrender. Would you you choose to completely surrender yourself to all things good? Yes. Sometimes our definition of good is different. But I want to invite you into that. If you've not done that, not even a salvation thing. You can believe in Jesus and Jesus honors honors plenty of people and loves and cherishes and takes care of everybody. He takes care of creation, he takes care of us. We're his children, we're still his children. But if you want to go deeper, if you want to become more unshakable, if you want to be fully devoured by God's fire, start praying these dangerous prayers. Start praying unconditional, full surrender prayers. I'm reminded of the sacrifice when it would be put on the altar. We're called to be living sacrifices. The sacrifice didn't get up there and go, okay, only burn this part. Only sacrifice this area. Let only this area be a pleasing aroma to the Lord. This area over here, just leave it alone. Part of saying yes part of holy surrendering is God is going to honor that request even if you change your mind later (laughs) you're going to be like Lord you can do whatever you want to and he's like bet and then you'll find yourself a year from now and he'll be, he'll, be like yeah Lord you can move these pictures around in my house you can rearrange the furniture and then one day you wake up and God has got a sledgehammer and he's knocking down your whole house and you're like what are you doing you said I could do anything I wanted to And you're like, all right. I guess it's fine. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's like that picture of the little dog in the room on fire. Everything's fine. But it will be because he's completely good. So I want to invite you. We're going to pray in a minute. This is talking about perspective. This whole year has been about refinement. It continues to be about refinement, specifically for our church. Refinement. And It's only going to, you can, you can't lessen the length of suffering that you have to go through, but you can extend it. So I want to invite you to pray with me and to fully surrender to God. Jesus, you are complete goodness. Father, you are perfect goodness. In all your ways. We acknowledge that your ways are higher than ours. And Lord where we have not surrendered. Forgive us. Father I surrender now. I speak for myself. And I pray Lord that everyone here would surrender. To whatever you have God. Whatever area you need to get into. Whatever changes you need to make. Whatever cost that is there Lord. We say yes. We give you our anxious fearful yes. Because only you can bring good from everything in our life. So we say yes to whatever you have. We say yes to purpose in our life. We say yes to sacrifice. We say yes to the pain we have to endure. We say yes to your strength. We say yes to your faith. We say yes to being unshakable and unstoppable. In Jesus' name, amen.